Josh's right there. It's my youngest. And we were talking about um, just boldness and evangelism. And just as we started talking, I was like, man, you got you to gotta share what we're talking about here with uh, the saints. And so um, he said that's ironic because a friend of mine, Spencer, who was on staff with New Life for 10 years up in Lawrence, just called him, what, the day before? And yeah. interviewed yeah. you about something he was writing on evangelism or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he was doing a paper for a grad class. Right. And he wanted to talk to somebody do, who, about evangelism. And so take it away. Sam recommended me. That's why we, were, we met, we were talking. So um, anyways, I just want to thank you guys for letting me come and share. And man, Luke, the worship was awesome. Uh, so thank you. I also just wanted to point out, if you guys uh, want to know more about our ministry, we have prayer cards in the back over there and then a sign-up sheet if you want to get our monthly newsletters so you can know how to pray for us. Because um, honestly, like Paul talked about, it's the prayers of the saints, it's the prayers of you that carried him. And so that carries us. There's lots of decisions that we literally need to make in the next 30 days um, about many different things. And so I would just love it if you guys would pray for us. Um, I want to talk a little bit about evangelism. Are you okay if I talk a little bit about the check as well? All right, cool. Because it kind of, it ties, you know, like, uh, like he was saying, evangelism is on my heart. Um, partly because this is a way of life, I, I believe. I, I don't think, um, you know, oftentimes when we talk about evangelism, we think about an evangelist over here that gathers a group of people and that's his job. But the reality is the Great Commission is for everybody. It's to make disciples of all nations and make disciples of all people in the nations. Um, and so depending on which gospel you read. But so my heart, and especially after what we were singing, man, guys, the more we understand the depth of the Father's love for us, the more I'm convinced that we have the best news on the planet. You know, and Jesus said that we're to be salt and light, right? And he said, if you have a light, you don't put a basket over it, right? Because that doesn't make any sense. So you and I are made to shine. And so I want to encourage you in that. And I also, I want to encourage you that sharing the, the gospel isn't how sometimes we view. I don't know if you, how, what you guys think, but the very first time I heard someone talk about evangelism, I thought that meant that I was going to go door to door, knocking on people's homes and just, just ask them point blank, do you know Jesus? Now, I actually like knocking on people's homes, um, but I do it totally different. Uh, you know, but I, I believe that evangelism is about living the gospel everywhere you go. See, we don't just share the gospel. We got to live it. We got to understand the depth of God's love for us. We got to understand that the blood of Jesus has made us clean, that we don't walk in guilt, shame, or condemnation. And when we understand that, we want to share that with others. Um, and, and so some of the misconceptions, I think, is we get this uh, mindset that when it comes to sharing the gospel, that, it's, um, that we have to convert somebody or we have to change their, their thinking. Uh, but the reality is in John 6, 44, uh, Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. And so it's so important to recognize that it's the Father who draws all men to himself. And so one of the things I, I've noticed when reading the Gospels and looking at Jesus is he usually asked a lot of questions. Very rarely would he answer somebody's question straight out. He usually asked them a question. And so one of the things that I've learned in sharing the Gospels, I like asking people questions. And so an example of this is uh, when we were in the Czech Republic in 2018. Give, give a little background. The Czech is one of the most atheistic nations in the world. It's third um, in the entire world, and it's considered the most secular nation on the planet, if you, if you do the research. In fact, they say if you were to be in a room of 100 people, um, in the Czech, probably one person would know Jesus. And so it's that kind of country. They say maybe 7 to 9% people think about God or would consider themselves even interested in religion. So the first thing that I would do when we walk the streets um, 
I would do one of two things. I'd either ask somebody point blank, can we pray a blessing over you? Or I would ask them, have you ever thought about God? And I asked that question because I was trying to gauge whether they were a person of peace. Luke 10 talks about when you enter a village, you look for people of peace. You look for people who are interested, people who God's already been working on their heart. And the other thing I would do, I'd pray over people and I'd pray for the Holy Spirit to reveal himself. Um, and so when I would do this, sometimes people would feel warmth all over their body or heat. And I could immediately tell them, well, that's the Holy Spirit. Are you, what else are you feeling? And some people say, I feel peace. And then I would say, you know, that peace could be with you for the rest of your life. If, if you would like to surrender your life to Jesus, can I explain to you how you would do that? Now, you might be thinking that's a little bold. Well, I want to encourage you, one, to pray for boldness. But another thing is that, I want to, that I've been doing for years now is ask the Lord to give me spiritual eyes, eyes to see people. Uh, the, the reality is we just sung that the Father leaves the 99 to go after the one. Like, guys, that's God's heart to go after the one who's lost. And so you're not going to get it wrong when you, when you pursue somebody with the love of Jesus. Because that's his heart. And so it's so important we recognize that. And then we also, like the other thing the Lord really showed me that changed my whole view on this, is he, he, just, he, he just started showing me that people are either lost or found. Like, that's the reality. They're either lost or they're found. And so with that reality, I thought, man, I got to figure out if the person next to me is lost or found. So when I, go, when I would go to a grocery store, if I could, I would pray over people. If I, if, I had, saw, if I was getting checked out, I would pray over somebody. Even like now with COVID, with uh, going to Walmart to pick up a grocery order and they go to our car, we pray over them. Um, and I just want to encourage you, like you have no clue the impact of your prayers. Like Paul even talks about in, um, in 1 Corinthians, I think it's 1 Corinthians 3, he talks about the difference between him and Apollos. And he said, I planted the seed. He said, Apollos watered it, but it's God who makes it grow. And so one of the things that Jonathan and I were talking about was you never know where somebody is in their, walk, in their, in their um, relationship with God, whether they know God, don't know God, what God's doing in their life. You don't know if you're the person planting the seed, if you're the person watering it. Or Jesus even talks about in, in John um, 4 about reaping the harvest. So you don't know where somebody is. And he even Jesus even said in John 4 that you might be reaping a harvest that somebody else sowed. And, and so... We need to recognize that in every opportunity, we're either sowing a seed, we're either watering a plant, or we're reaping a harvest. And, and so another thing I noticed about Jesus is he didn't explain the entire truth very often in one conversation. He would, he would share little bits. And so if someone wants to sit with me long enough, I'll share the entire gospel. But if I gauge that they're not interested or if, I, or if I'm, you know, at Walmart checking out and all of a sudden I notice that there's a line of people behind me, <laughs> then I say, thank you for letting me pray over you. I want you to know that this happened because Jesus loves you and he's pursuing a relationship with you. Uh, I hope you have a great day. And the crazy thing is sometimes I'll go back to those places. Like there was a, about a year ago, this, for whatever reason, I had all these things happen with my car. It was all under warranty. But in the course of one month, I, I had to go to the, the Kia dealer like four times. And at one point I was getting frustrated, but I realized that by the third time I'm interacting with the same people. And I've prayed for them like two or three times. And so they started like divulging things. And then in fact, my wife went there later and I wasn't able to come. And they said, where's your husband? Um, and so I just want to encourage you guys, like, you make an impact when you pray over people. You change people's lives when you plant seeds. Um, and so I want to encourage you, too, to ask for boldness, take a step of faith, 
and ask the Lord, like, okay, I'm in the grocery store, I'm waiting in line, or I'm at the doctor's office, I'm waiting in line, or whatever it is that I'm doing, or how can I be going through a car wash, right? You go to pay, I pray over that person. And sometimes it's just simple, Father, bless them and reveal yourself to them. And then when you have an opportunity, share more. Uh, and so I, that's kind of my, my heart with evangelism is being a light everywhere you go and letting God speak through you and give you opportunities and, and making the most of opportunities. And so like, like I, I mentioned asking questions. So I was in the Czech Republic and I asked somebody if they ever thought about God and someone said, you know, a little bit. And I said, well, I want you to know that he has as many thoughts about you as there are grains of sand. And that person just kind of jaw dropped and they looked at me and said, that's a lot of thoughts. That's an opening. And so I just shared with them, you, that, that's just proof that how much God loves you and is pursuing a relationship with you. And it's an open door to share. And so it's just little things like that that you might not think are a big deal. But you may be planting a seed, you may be watering it, or maybe time to reap of harvest. Like we were at church on the street um, a while back now, but we just started talking to this guy and we asked him, how can we pray for you? And he literally said that the Lord would take his life. And I said, well, don't you know you can give your life to him? Can I share with you how you can give your life to Jesus? And so I started sharing the gospel with them. And then probably like three quarters of the way through, my wife says, so do you want to give your life to Jesus now? And he was like, yes, please. And so ask the Holy Spirit to, to give you wisdom, to give you insight, to give you the ability. Um, and the other thing is I always ask the Lord, show me their heart. Because like I said earlier, his heart is to go after those who are lost. In fact, Ezekiel 18, he says he doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. His hope is that they would repent. And then when Peter wrote his letters, he says, we might think the Lord's taking a long time to come back, but he's not. Why? Because his, his heart is that nobody would perish. And so you got to recognize if you don't even like know what to say to somebody, tell them that God loves them and he's pursuing a relationship with them. And even if you fumble over your words, say, hey, can I pray a blessing over you? And then when you're done with that, ask them, hey, can I just share with you um, what my relationship with God looks like? Because testimony is powerful too. When we were in Brazil doing this, a lot of people, if you ask them if they knew Jesus, they would say yes. But then when you ask them, can you describe your relationship with Jesus to me? They would look at me and be like, what do you mean? I can't do that. I said, well, can I describe mine? And by the time I was done describing mine, I said, so would you like a relationship like that? And every time they were like, yes. And so just because somebody says they have a relationship with Jesus, that doesn't mean they really are walking in intimacy with them or they've really surrendered their life to him. So always ask them with that follow-up question. So can you describe to me what your relationship with Jesus is? And you might be surprised that either they can't articulate it or they have no clue. And then just say, well, can I share you what mine is like? Uh, and so I just, I have a lot of faith that when you take steps of boldness, God rewards it. I have a lot of faith. Like I'll usually go up to people. I have no clue what I'm going to say. And I, all I pray is, Father, give me your heart. Give me something. And he shows up. And I believe the same spirit is in you. And so you can do that. Every opportunity is an opportunity to bear witness. It's an opportunity to shine light. Amen. 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 Give us just a minute on say there's a few people in here who struggle with boldness mm -hmm. sharing their faith. Yeah. And we're going to I want you to pray for boldness over all of us, okay. but give us one one or two or three um, practical steps that we can step into. You've already said them. I think you're maybe reiterate one, two, three things that bridge that gap between a boring conversation about the weather and or your job and or what day of the week it is and Saturday's almost here. 
to being salt, putting salt in that conversation. Give us one or two or three of those. Yeah, well, depending on how well you know somebody and what your time frame is, um, if you're in a grocery store and you don't know the person, then just ask them if you can pray a blessing over them. And then after that, follow up with, hey, do you have a relationship with God? Plain and simple. Uh, that might seem a little straightforward, but also pray for boldness. And as you're walking there, say, give me boldness, Lord, and let me have their, the heart of that person in front of me. Uh, the other thing is when you're talking to somebody you know, just start asking them questions. Ask them like, hey, have you ever thought about God? Have you read the Bible? What is your prayer life like? Do you go to church? Just random questions that, that are, can be, and try not to always make a, a yes or no question because then people can say, yes, I read the Bible. And you're like, well, what's your favorite book? <laughs> you know? And so just everybody likes it when, to talk about themselves. I haven't met a single person that doesn't like talking about themselves. So when you ask them questions, they usually answer. Um, and so I, I would encourage that. Uh, the other thing, yeah, you can't go wrong praying over people. I have very rarely, I've only had like maybe two people ever say, I don't want prayer. Almost every single person is like, yes, please. And then I ask them, is there anything specific you'd like me to pray for? You know, um, don't always assume that. I mean, yeah, Holy Spirit speaks, but sometimes people like when you actually take that time to ask them specific and then pray for what, like, if they say, hey, my mom is sick, don't begin by, like, Father, deliver them in the name of Jesus. Pray for their mom to be sick and then go to the deeper things. You know, like, show them that you heard them, you respected them. And the other thing I would say, too, is um, only share as much truth as they're willing to hear. Like sometimes we can push people away by making sure we get the entire gospel out in this moment. It may not be the right time. You know, you just want to give them enough truth for them to latch onto and chew on and then try to see them again. And the other thing I would say when someone does say yes to Jesus, I always, it's always good to follow up. Hey, do you know like five people? Can you think of like five people that would like to hear? Like one, what God just did in your life and, and, and have you share this with them and, or take them with you. You know, it's, that's the thing about discipleship. Like, we often think it's a classroom, but it's really life. Uh, taking someone with you and say, hey, come with me. And so it's really good to do that because they're excited. Yep. And so, that's good. Pray with yeah. us if you would, brother. All right. All right. Father God, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would just impart boldness upon your people, upon your saints, that you would equip them to be evangelists. God, you would equip, equip them with, with, um, with words of wisdom, words of knowledge. You would equip them to have the heart, to know your heart for the person in front of them, to be bold. Uh, and I pray too that, that, that healing and signs and wonders would happen when they pray over people, that people would be wowed, that, that God is here, he just showed up. And I also pray for prophetic words to be released that, that would reveal um, your love and, and the fact that you're, you know the person they're standing in front of. And I pray too for words and for the gospel to go forth with power from everyone here. And I, I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And again, Josh and Stacy will have prayer cards there at the back if you want to get signed up. Uh, on their email uh, list to see what's going on with them. Highly encourage you to do that. The last time they were here, I think it was uh, last year maybe, uh, I said that is a good investment. This is good soil to sow into for these guys. You can find more about them at disciplenations.net if you want to partner with them financially. I'd highly recommend that. Speaking of at the back, I haven't done this I think for six weeks. Sorry. Offering baskets are back there. If you want to put your tithes and offerings in, put them in the back there uh, on the table. Also, you can do that online. Uh, you can go to the equip site, equipministry.net, 
and uh, you can sign up for automatic withdrawal and things like that there. Hey, Destiny, stand up real quick, will you? I know, I know, I know. Everybody give Destiny a round of applause, would you? She cleaned, Destiny cleaned the building here for us today. Did a great, great job. And uh, double. She also turned on the air for us. So that's really great. Thank you. Thank Yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome. Let's... Uh, pray here just for a moment. Am I missing anything else, Dina? I said, uh, I said like three things. I'm good. Okay, thank you. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your presence here. Thank you for all that's already happened here tonight, God. Open our ears tonight that we can hear your voice, all of us, Lord. Strengthen us, encourage us, Lord. Comfort us, I pray. Transform us tonight as our minds are renewed by your word, God. I pray for distraction to be bound up in Jesus' name. And I pray for your word to go forth clearly into good soil here tonight. I pray that all, each one of us, Lord, would be brought into maturity in Christ Jesus, Lord, fully mature, each one here, each one who listens to this online. Lord, I pray for maturity in Christ to be evident, Lord, in this body, Lord, fruitfulness for each one here, God. So use this word, use this weak vessel, Lord, just pour it out. In Jesus' name, I pray. Just pour it out, God. I was wrestling through a few different words that were on my heart today. I've been on my heart this week and had several things that have been really encouraging for me that I just didn't sense the, the wind on anything. And so I just started pacing around my uh, bedroom and praying. And one of the apostolic prayers that I pray uh, over y'all is found in Colossians chapter 1 uh, and at the end of chapter 1 and verse 2. So if you'd go there with me, I want to read to you what I prayed over you this afternoon in my PJ pants and a t-shirt because on Saturday I don't get dressed up and I want to pray it over you again after I read it here. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one that we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those in America, I mean Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. My goal in prayer is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they, the church, God's people may know the mystery of God namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then I prayed something like this. Lord, I thank you for the saints tonight. 
I pray, Lord, that you would reveal to them, even now, God, Christ in them, the hope of glory, the glorious riches of this mystery. I pray everyone here tonight, Lord, would come to know more and more and more the riches that they've been given in Christ Jesus, sealed with the Holy Spirit and the deposit given to them, the life of God in them, Lord. It baffles just to even say that, Lord, help us to comprehend it. I pray the saints tonight, right here in front of me, God, I pray that they would understand the hope that they've been given in Christ Jesus. I pray that tonight, God, I would proclaim Jesus and nothing else, God. I pray that I would preach the life of Christ here tonight, God. I pray that you would allow me to admonish and teach people tonight with all wisdom from the Spirit. And I pray that what happens at this this equipping meeting would be it would bring them into maturity in Christ Jesus, God. I pray for full maturity. I pray for those tonight who are stunted in their growth, Lord, in Christ Jesus. Bring them up into full maturity, God. Nothing holding them back. Can you just agree with me in that for just a moment? Say, yes, Lord, make me fully mature in Christ Jesus. Grow me up. Even now. Let the noise be the noise. Let the kids be the kids. Even now, just pray with me. Just say, yes, Lord. Bring me to maturity in Christ. I pray tonight, God, that these saints, all of us here, would be encouraged in heart. And I pray that we and those who are not with us tonight, all of our brothers and sisters traveling and sick and all over the place, I pray that we would be united in love. I pray that the church in El Dorado would be encouraged in heart and united in love so that we may have the full riches of complete understanding. I pray that no understanding would be kept from us, God. But I pray that you would open our eyes to see fully and completely all that we have together in Christ, the body of Christ. And I pray ultimately that we would know the mystery of God, namely Christ Jesus. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge hidden in him. Comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. Let us know that, God. Take us on past immaturity to maturity, God. Take us from milk to meat, God. And I prayed something like that. At that time, the Lord dropped in my heart the word that I'm going to share with you. And I'm going to share some from this passage here and go around a couple of passages. But this was opposite from what I was thinking, and I believe it's a word in season. So don't listen to me, but listen to the Lord in me speaking. The goal that Paul has is very, very clear in verse 28. We want to present everyone fully mature in Christ. Verse 29, to this end... I strenuously contend. This is the call of preachers, pastors, prophetic voices. If people are not brought unto maturity, then we've missed the mark. To this end, I contend that y'all, and y'all need to know what the end is. The end is not that you show up once a week and check this off your list, but that you grow up into Christ Jesus, mature in him, month to month, year to year. You look back and say, praise the Lord, he's transformed me by the renewal of my mind. I'm not as fearful as I was. I, I don't, I'm not as given to the love of the world like I was. He's changed me, praise the Lord. 
He does that. That's the goal. How? He is strenuously contending with all the energy that Christ is working in him. If it's not done with the power of Christ, then it's empty. He is saying, I want them to be mature in Christ. And the only way that can happen is if Christ works through the vessel and speaks and maturity comes. This vessel and from y'all vessels speaking into one another. We'll talk about that here in a minute. What is the method he's using? Verse 28, verse 27. He is proclaiming, I'm sorry, verse 28. He's proclaiming Christ and he's admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. So there you have it, those two verses. Paul's goal is that they would be completely mature and they'd grow up into Christ. How is he going to do it? With the power of Christ in him. What's the method he's going to do? He's going to preach Christ and only Christ, and he's going to admonish and teach everyone with all wisdom. In order to reach the goal of every saint being fully mature in Christ, something has to happen though. We, the saints, must know together, look at verse 3 of chapter 2. I'm sorry, verse 2 of chapter 2. The mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In order for us to grow up into Christ Jesus, we have to know together, to know Christ We have to know Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amplified says it this way, all the comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. God wants us together to understand the comprehensive insight into his ways and purposes. To be fully mature in Christ, you have to know Christ. It's as simple as that. Think with me for just a moment here. What are hindrances to knowing Christ in your life? What holds you back from the knowledge of Christ? Number one, sin. Sin, which leads to discouraging of the heart. I'm I'm held back from knowing him because I'm discouraged. I'm I'm in despair. Because I've given myself to sin or because I've, I've, I've actually... I've actually looked to myself for my own power. I I have looked away from Christ. I've not known him as deeply as I can know him. Discouragement of heart. He says, I want them to be encouraged in heart. Secondly, division and hatred, quarrels and anger, a lack of uniting in love. I want them to be encouraged in heart because if they're not encouraged, they're discouraged. I want them to be united in love I don't want them to be divided with hatred and discord and jealousy. These things being discouraged in heart and being divided in the church actually leads to a partial and incomplete understanding of Christ. So what things hinder us from knowing Christ? Ultimately, sin gets in the way, our own, and that's defined as discouragement of heart, and division in the body of Christ. Anybody ever experienced any one of those things? Being discouraged or divided? And that holds us back. Helplessness, hopelessness, fear, dread, anxiety. It discourages us. What encourages a heart? Paul would say it this way, 1 Thessalonians 4. He says in verse 17, after that, 
we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the, in the air, and we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. To Paul, what encouraged us is to remember it's almost over. Jesus is almost back. We're almost to be caught up together with him in the air. This is why it says in Hebrews 10, encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing close. Anybody seeing the day drawing close like me? It's on the doorstep. It's here. As that day draws close, encourage each other all the more because it says in just a little while, he who is coming will come and not delay. We have to keep in each other's faces and saying, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't let go of what Christ has taken hold of for you. Endure and persevere. 1 Thessalonians 5, 10, Paul says it this way. He died for us so that whether we're awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage each other and build each other up. Just in fact, you are doing. Discouragement keeps us from knowing Christ. And this is how we can encourage people again and again and again, speaking the truth in love. What causes division in the body of Christ? Stupid people around you making stupid decisions? No. James 4.1 says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that rage inside of you? Worldly desires? He says, don't you know that friendship with the world is adultery with God? Don't you know that division in the body of Christ actually starts with your heart's desire being in the wrong way or the wrong place? Like, for instance, I shouldn't be talked to like that. I deserve more respect than that. I deserve that position because that's how the world thinks. And so when we get those worldly desires for greatness or recognition or respect or whatever it is, then those desires push us into alignment with the world and we become friends with the world. This is where division comes from. But what unites us in love, if that's what divides us, what unites us in love? And I love John 17, Jesus' priestly prayer for them. You remember he prayed, I want all of them, he says, I want all of them to be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even though, even as you have loved me. It's be one and be in us so that the world may believe. We were talking about evangelism earlier. God's evangelism plan is that the church would be one so that the world would know it. There's individual evangelism, yes, but I'm telling you something special is going to happen when the, when the church comes into this understanding of unity and oneness in Christ. Then the world will know the greatest gospel proclaimer ever has the greatest plan for the gospel proclamation that the church would be united in love. Go back to Colossians chapter one for a moment. Colossians chapter one, he says, I want them to have complete understanding. What is that? If there's partial understanding, what is complete understanding? He says in verse 27, Christ in you, 
the hope of glory. Do you know that that can be veiled from your eyes? To see the reality, what does that mean that God, very God dwells in me? Doesn't that change everything? Doesn't it? Because when I, when I don't understand that, then it becomes my life again. And when I don't understand that, things get out of order. You've been, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. When that, when that revelation is masked or is partial, then I start to live again in my old life. There's partial understanding. And the Lord says, don't forget this. 1 Corinthians 1.30. It's one of my favorite verses. Christ became for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. When we understand, sorry, it's not up there. When we understand Christ becoming for us, then full revelation floods in and it changes the way we live. Christ became for us. Say that with me. Christ became for me. Christ became for me. Say it one more time. Christ became for me. Wisdom for you. And he became righteousness, sanctification, or your holiness, and redemption. My utmost for his highest the last few days has been so good. A couple days ago, um, Oswald says this. 1 Corinthians 1.30, Christ became for us sanctification. And he says, the perfect qualities of Christ Jesus are imparted as a gift to me, not gradually, but instantly, once I enter by faith into the realization that he became, past tense, he became for me sanctification. Sanctification means nothing less than the holiness of Jesus becoming mine and being exhibited in my life. Do you, do you know that? Do you remember that? Christ became once and for all for you. When you said yes, sealed with the Holy Spirit, instantly you got his righteousness, his sanctification and holiness, and his redemption and his wisdom. Instantly. Not gradually like you earn that over time. No, the gradual thing sometimes is for us as we come into the realization of that over time. That Christ did that, and that's what he's talking about. I want them to have the full understanding of who Christ is. I want them to be mature in Christ. I want them to know everything was finished in Christ on that cross. The next day on July 24th, it said this, Christ changes our heredity. He does not change human nature. He changes its source and thereby its motives as well. Jesus demands on the Christian the life of the Sermon on the Mount. Turn the other cheek. Don't, you know, if you, if you lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. If you're angry, he demands that on the Christian life. How could that be possible? Some preachers with a lack of revelation would say, well, it's not possible. Jesus was speaking in hyperbole. But when you fully understand what God did, he would say, it is possible. In fact, it's demanded. He can place that demand on Christ in us and only on Christ in us who can live that out. When we look to Christ, we walk in sanctification, holiness, righteousness, redemption. Lastly, Oswald says, July 25th, the Sermon on the Mount is not a set of rules and regulations. Rather, it's a picture of the life we will live when the Holy Spirit is having his unhindered way with us. 
Not a set of rules and regulations. It's just a picture of what your life's gonna look like when the Holy Spirit is free to live through you. When you're lit up for Christ and he's, he's percolating in you and that water's boiling and you're passionate for Jesus because he's done it in you. He changes your desires. So, in, I want them to be encouraged in heart, Paul says, and I want them to be united in love. How are we encouraged in heart? Well, we encourage each other in heart by speaking the truth of the scriptures to one another, according to what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians. Remind each other of these words. Encourage one another with these words. Last I checked, you gotta be around people to be encouraged. This is why fellowship is so important. We're encouraged in heart by speaking the truth of scriptures and we're united in love, how? By abiding in him. When we abide in him, we abide with each other because we're all abiding in the same source. Jesus says, I want them to be one even as you and I are one. I in you, Jesus says, that's never gonna change, amen? And them abiding in me. Does that change? You better bet you it does, unfortunately. Sometimes we don't live that abiding life. Hey, when was the last time you could do anything outside of abiding in Christ? Nobody? Apart from me, you can do... Abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can't do anything. Meaning you can't get groceries and interact with people in a life-giving way unless you're abiding. You can't cook dinner in a life-giving way. You can't do marriage. You can't buy a car. You can't look at a house and buy a house. You, you can't have a conversation over coffee with your best friend and have it mean anything and have it bear any fruit whatsoever unless you're abiding. Say it. Yes. We're just... Did Zeb LeClef tell you that? No. We were just talking about this. Seven and I were just talking about this. Crazy guy, tall guys. Anything, that's right. You can't do anything apart from me and you can do everything at the Tower of Babel. Everything man sets his mind to, he can do. And Jesus says it all counts for nothing in the end. How are we united in love? We abide. How do we learn to abide? Well, we practice. We help each other. I'm having a horrible day. Pray for me. Lift off the burden, right? I got, I'm sick in my body. I don't do very well abiding when I'm sick. I need that broken off of me. I'm, we're having trouble in our marriage. Pray for our marriage, right? This is just us getting in the nitty gritty with each other. And Jesus says, when that happens, the church then walks in a full, not partial riches of complete understanding. And that complete understanding gets us to our goal of knowing Christ. That's the goal. I, I hope this helps you as much as it helps me. Because sometimes it's like, why do we do church? I was just talking to a guy that hasn't been in church for a long, long time. And I'm like, why do we do church in the first place? He's like, oh, it's where we go to, you know, worship God and stuff like that. I'm like, I don't think we under, like we all know more than that, right? But I don't know if we know fully, why do we do this? Why do we get together in groups? Next week is Acts 2.42. Don't come here unless you're meeting in the group that meets here. Acts 2.42 groups in homes. Next week we do brunch and lunch and all that kind of stuff. It's gonna be great. Why do we do that? 
We want to be encouraged in heart and united in love so that we come to the full riches of complete understanding so that we're mature in Christ Jesus. Mature people in Christ Jesus change cities. They change continents. Don't need very many of them. I'm telling you guys, whoo. City of El Dorado is transformed with a few mature people in Christ Jesus. Mature, living from the overflow. I was praying this week instead of the undertow. Lord, let the church live from the overflow instead of the undertow of the world. What does that mean? The pulling down effect that this world has. It does, doesn't it? It gets you down. It it makes your knees feel feeble. It makes your hands feel weak. It makes your heart feel fearful and discouraged. And Isaiah 35 says, say to those with feeble knees, be strengthened. Say to those with fearful hearts, don't be afraid because the Lord's going to come. I want to encourage you guys. Jesus is almost back. We can't live in discouragement. We have to be encouraged in heart. We can't live in this division, this devilish thing that gets people peeled off and they're sheep all by themselves. The enemy's looking for those people. Why? So he devours them. He steals, kills, and destroys. You got to stay in the flock, wherever we've been assigned, wherever we've been called. We're with, doesn't matter if you're here, if you're somewhere else, stay where you've been called because you're protected there, united in love in Christ Jesus. Our goal is to know Christ Jesus is building his church, not getting membership up in any one place. He's building people up into himself. My goal in building a church is to see the church built up into Christ Jesus. That you know him better today than you did a month ago. That you call on his name. Go to Isaiah 35 with me. I want to finish up with this. I spoke this word... I can't remember, Lizzie. When did that happen? Isaiah 35, Lydia's dream. First of the year. End of last year. Yeah, November, December. Our sweet sister Lydia, human, had a dream. Lizzie and I were standing beside this big, dry riverbed. And there was a group of people with us. That was right about the time Lizzie and I stepped up and said yes to the assignment here in pastoring. There's a group of people and the people were, at, we, Lizzie and I were telling the people how good the water was. And the people said, if the water's so good, then why is the riverbed so dry? Where is it at? There's a riverbed there. Why? Because there used to be a gigantic stream that flowed through there. And Lizzie and I looked at the people and we said, we have to pray and the water will come. And we turned around and we said, join us. And we prayed. And then as we prayed, the water came gushing down this dry riverbed. And in her dream, as the water came gushing down, the entire plain, which was a desert before, turned into this garden, lush, green thing. And as I prayed into that dream, the Lord gave me Isaiah 35. And I want to read it to you, starting in verse 1, because I believe it's happening, and it will happen. And I want you to have hope and a prophetic prayer that you can seek the Lord in your prayer closet. And Isaiah 35 is that for me. I believe it is for us. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. 
The glory of Lebanon will be given to it in the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. And they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. So, strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Those hands and feet of Jesus that aren't really being the hands and feet of Jesus. Having a hard time reaching out and touching the lost and the broken, the hurting. Those feeble knees that make it hard to walk the life of faith. You're having a hard enough time walking the walk. You got feeble knees. Knees. Say to those with fearful hearts because the entire world is wasting away. Be strong and do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with a vengeance. With divine retribution, He will come to save you. When this happens, when the church does this, when there's strength again in the church, then what happens to the world around us? Then the eyes of the blind will be open. And then the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. And then when the church walks in the fullness that I have for her, the lame will leap like a deer. There will be signs and wonders and miracles and healings. The mute tongue will shout for joy. Listen, and water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool in the thirsty ground, bubbling springs in the haunts where jackals once lay and drug dealers in the worst of the worst in our city. Grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And then when that happens and the world turns because they know us by our love, then a highway will be there. Where? In Eldorado, Kansas. And it will be called the way of holiness. And it will be for those who walk in that way. I'm telling you, this applies to the joy of the redeemed, God's people Israel, and it applied then, it applies in the millennial reign, and it applies to us in 2020 in Eldorado, Kansas. The church, I want to I speak to you that there will be rejoicing again in the church in Eldorado, Kansas. There will be a bursting forth into bloom. Do you believe it? Would you pray for it? Would you ask the Lord to do it? Those of you with feeble hands, I want to pray strength for you in Jesus' name. You can't touch the lost and the hurting because you're barely keeping your own stuff together. Your hands and feet of Jesus are to yourself. You have feeble hands, weak hands. No condemnation, but we need to be strengthened so that we get out of ourselves and touch the broken. For those of you who are having trouble walking the walk of faith and you have feeble knees, I want to pray that they would be strengthened in Jesus' name. That you would have steady walk, not up and down, tossed around by every wind and wave, but you would have a steady walk in Christ Jesus. And to those of you with fearful hearts, fearful about the future, fearful about your family, fearful about yourself, I want to say be strong. Don't fear. For all of you, your God will come and he will come with a vengeance, with divine retribution on your enemies. The Lord will come and save you. So Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would strengthen us, strengthen the church. I pray you would encourage us in heart and unite us in love that we would have the full riches of complete understanding and we'd be mature in Christ Jesus. 
I pray for those with feeble hands. Strengthen them, Lord, even now. I pray for those who have knees that are giving way and they can't walk. Strengthen them, Lord. I pray for those with fearful hearts that you'd lift fear off in Jesus' name. And I pray in Eldorado, Kansas and the surrounding areas that the eyes of the blind would be open, God. I pray the ears of the deaf would be unstopped. Those with, with such small ears, they can't even hear the truth that will set them free. Open their deaf ears, God. Unstop them, Lord. I pray that we would see the lame and the mute healed, God. I pray the lame would leap like deers and the mute would, they would shout for joy. I pray that you would send the water and the replenishing of the Holy Spirit from the mountains down to the wilderness, the streams and the deserts, God. Lord, I pray that you would make a highway here, a way of holiness. I pray that many people would come into the kingdom in Eldorado, Kansas, God. You did it 100 years ago in the natural. Would you do it again in the spiritual, God? Use us. We're just weak people, God. There's nothing special about us, God. But you brought revival with 120 in the upper room. You changed the earth, God. Change our city, God. Change the surrounding region. Change our nation, God. Come do a work like you did in the days of old. We cry out for it. Would you just agree with me in Jesus' name? Would you cry out now, just from your hearts, just ask him, Lord, come bring revival in our land. Would you ask him to change hearts in the church, wake us up, to set us on fire? Just ask him now, all these things. Just pray your heart to him. Do it, God. Need you, God. We've been friends with the world. Forgive us, God. Committed adultery on you with the world. Forgive us, God. Heal our hearts, God. Bless the church. Strengthen her.